welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to your favorite podcast, Get a Bucket. I'm your host, Trey. Wonderful day outside, nice and sunny. About time too. I'm sure it's hot as hell though. That's that's just how it is nowadays. I don't know what to tell you. And then it'll randomly rain. That's that bipolar weather we got there. Um real quick was watching Godzilla. Not I've, I was never really the Godzilla fan, right? But um it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I'd watch it again. I'd say so. So you know, if you watch if you, if you're looking around, you're trying to find something to watch and you've seen everything and you just want to watch something new, I'd say I'd recommend Godzilla. It's pretty good. But yeah, let's go ahead and jump straight on into uh, basketball, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, so quarter one. Quarter one. We have for you another analysis. Sacramento Kings. Now, the reason why we're talking about the Kings, we'll bring that to your attention in quarter two. But um, yeah, so the Sacramento Kings, let me give you a quick analysis. They're young, they're inexperienced. Potential eighth seed as they barely missed the playoffs last year. Now they did miss the playoffs, like I said, but they have loads of potential. Um, their starters Darian Fox, Buddy Heel, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley the third, and Dwayne Dedman. Um, the first four I just named are quality NBA players. Deadman's okay. Um, Deadman's okay. But the first four was really where they're going to be getting most of their scoring from. De'Arian Fox could be a 20-point scorer. Buddy Heal could be as well. Harrison Barnes is like a 15. But he's a quality veteran who can play some defense. So he's a good 3 and D. He was off the Warriors for those of y'all who may or may not remember. Or for, for those of you guys who might not remember him. Um, Marvin Bagley the third out of Duke. Good prospect could be a 20 and 10 player, meaning 20 points, 10 rebounds on average. And, I mean, the boy plays power forward. He's a stud, 6'10", 6'11", lanky. Um, would like to see a little more defense out of him, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, the bench. The bench is actually pretty decent for the Kings. They have Trevor Ariza, Corey Joseph, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Harry Giles, and Rashad Holmes. So their bench is pretty deep. However, they again, they're young. Now, the good thing about it is they have two veteran wings along the perimeter, right? Meaning Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza. So that's going to be good because they can also slide to the power forward. So they can play small ball. They can adjust the, the team when need be. So depth is not an issue. I don't think leadership is going to be an issue as well. Darian Fox seems to be the, a quality leader on the team. Plus, Harrison Barnes is respectable. And again, going back to the bench, you have Corey Joseph as a quality backup point guard. He used to play on the Spurs and Pacers. Um, and he was decent back then. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, nice small forward, can stretch the floor out and shoot the three. Good pickup for them. Attaboy. That's going to be quality. Like that, like They have a quality bench. And Harry Giles, lanky power forward who has a lot of energy. Think... Nerlens Noel, I don't know if I want to say more athleticism, but it could be a little more polished on the offense game, on the offensive game. So, but yeah, their bench is, is pretty is pretty stout. So as I said, the the Kings presently fighting for a seed, young team, loads of potential. 
Um, their biggest downfall, I would say right now, is probably the interior defense. Uh, they lost Willie Cauley-Stein, which actually is a big loss for them, I think. Um, unless Giles gets like a little more bulky, or Deadman becomes it, which I don't think Deadman... Maybe Deadman was averaging a block. Maybe. But no one on that team was averaging more than a block. So... That needs to step up. Now, they have lanky players, but their interior presence is lacking greatly. So, I need them to actually step that up on the deep, on the defensive end. So either Harry Giles, Dwayne Dedman, or Marvin Bagley III need to step up. Because, well, I guess Rashad Holmes, too. You can throw him in that category as well. All four of them need to step up and become, inter- and become interior presence. But that's their biggest thing right now. Uh, like the biggest issue, and also pay attention for Fox and Bagley. They have like they have to be their best players. They have the most potential on the team currently. They have to be their best players in order for them, in order for the Kings, to succeed. So within the next three years, Bagley and Fox have to keep elevating. I mean, they continue. They have to continue to keep elevating. But in order for them to be the nucleus, they have to keep elevating. In order for the Kings to be successful. And I mean, two of the four, they have to be two of the top four players on the court at all times. At all times. And again, as I said earlier, Barnes and Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald, they have to provide stable shooting from the perimeter. They, that, that's clutch. They can play five out. They can play four out, kind of sort of how Houston plays. So you have a little more explosiveness from the point guard. You have more offensive game from the power forward. And he can attack as well. That the Kings can be very vicious in the upcoming years. All right. So the future of the Kings. So be on the lookout for who takes the next step, whether it's Fox and or Bagley. Um, Heal to me, like I said, is going to be the third option. And and as I said earlier, it has to be Fox or Bagley. Fox is. Arguably an all-star candidate, definitely in the next two years, but arguably starting now, you could put him in the all-star candidacy, and Bagley should be there in the next two, because, again, the boys can average 20 to 25, and put up, at least for Bagley's case, 10 rebounds, and Fox's case, close to 10 assists. He, I think he could average about 8, so... If they if they can take the if they can take the, take the next step and elevate their games, the Kings should be a nasty, nasty team. Also, again, they need Giles or Holmes or Deadman to take over as the interior defender because I don't want Bagley to have to be that presence. But that's just a lot of pressure on the man. I'd I'd rather have them preserve his energy. So. That, that would be the best case for the Kings. So, work on that. But Bagley needs to do it too. I mean, he, he, needs to step as, he needs to step up as well. So, but yeah, like I said, the Kings are very solid. Alright, so USA Basketball. Now, the reason why I brought up the Kings earlier, and I said I was going to explain why I was doing the King analysis, is because De'Arian Fox actually pulled out of the USA Basketball team. Um, he was looking like he was going to get the roster spot, like, low-key. 
Greg Popovich might actually had to make a tough decision. So between him and Derek White, which Darian Fox is the better player. So it got me thinking. Why is there so much hoopla? Well, not why, just so much hoopla about the uh, USA basketball, but, you know, like, who runs it? Who governs it? There's a lot of people that are just, that are just leaving the team. So it made me do a little research, and I went to the uh, USABasketball.com, or it's www.usaab.com, and on the About page, they say uh, they pretty much state who they are. They're based in Colorado Springs, and um, it's a nonprofit organization that the and that's the national governing body of the of both men and women's basketball. Um, it's recognized as the governing body for the basketball in the United States by the International Basketball Federation, so FIBA, and the United States Olympic Committee, USOC. Uh, USA Basketball is responsible for the selection, the training, fielding of United States of America's teams uh, that compete in the FIBA-sponsored international basketball competitions, as well as for some national competitions and for the development of youth basketball initiatives that address player development, coach, education, and licensing and safety. So, pretty much they're overseeing in the selection process of the team. I, I mean, I get that players want to leave because they have a shot at winning the title now. But I thought it was pretty interesting to figure out, like, okay, like, who actually governs it, right? And then let's look at the board that oversees the United States, right? So from 20,000, from, from 2017, oh, my God, 20,000, from, from 2017 to 2020, the board consists of players such as Martin Dempsey, which is the USAA Basketball Board of Directors Chairman. You have Chauncey Billups as the Athletes representative so you got someone out there speaking for the players you have dan gavitt who represents the ncaa as well as bernard muir mark tatum is the nba representative and of course we all know jerry colangelo who's the ex office and past chairman so you have a good amount of people out there who are governing the players selected or how the organizations ran as a whole, things of that nature. And it seems like they have good candidates speaking. Like, for example, Chauncey Billups is well recognized as a respected member in the NBA community. I mean, he played on a bevy of teams, worked with many superstars. Hell, was even on the US, was, was even on the USA roster himself. So he understands a lot about how maybe from superstars to role players to your average NBA starters – should be able to operate in the NBA in the USA basketball confines. The reason why he was a point guard, has worked behind the scenes, is, is an NBA analyst, so he is a trusted member from the NBA community to represent the NBA players. I'm actually glad that they were able to get someone of that caliber up there. Like, and he keeps it real whole time. Like he he, he don't hold no cut cards. Like, case in point, when he was talking about Melo, and not to get off on a little tangent, but I'm just proving my point. He said Melo was a good teammate, came to work, but at the same time, Melo wanted to score 30 too much. He was real about it, you know? And that was tough because that, that was not the best time for him to say that. But he was honest. So it's good that they have players like that that are, uh, rep that are representing them. Now, from a player's perspective, you don't typically think about this often, right? Like, 
Should you? I know you want to play for USA Basketball, but should you really play for USA Basketball? Because it's not like USA Basketball is paying for your career. You know, like your team is. So let's say, for example, you get injured. Case in point, Paul George, five years ago, gruesome injury. Um, and actually, because of this injury, it helped change where they positioned the basketball goal from the baseline. Because the standard distance now is six feet. Like, that's minimum between the, the stanchion like, or the basketball uh, support and the baseline. It was four feet. So, pretty much, I'm six foot two, six foot three. So that means back then I couldn't even lay down. I, I would have to scrunch up a little bit in order to hit from the bat, from the uh, stanchion to the actual baseline. Now I can almost lay down completely. Like my head might be up a little bit. I cause crick in the neck. But like, I'm glad that they actually spaced that out, right? Because I'm like I said, I'm six two, six three. I'm average height for a point guard in the NBA. And again, that's a point guard. So that's the shortest position in the NBA. There are players who. Are taller than me, longer than me. They jump farther than me. They like so the landing. You may need a little more landing, right? And if I'm saying it's short, come on, dude. You know damn well people that are seven foot six, eight, yada yada X Y Z. Like you know they know it's short. So I'm glad they made that change. But getting back on topic, how do you sit up there and decide whether or not to play versus hold out and actually play for your team? Because you got to worry about your career. Because basketball. It loves you, and it, and you can love it, but if you're injured, it kind of stops loving you, too. Like, you need to be realistic as well. So, from a player's perspective, I, I truly do understand why these players are dropping out. From a coaching perspective, it might be tough for, for coaches to, coach some of these, to cut some of these players. Like, case in point, Greg Popovich now, he was about to have to cut one of his players, Derek White, who's a guard and a nice little up-and-comer. But like I said, Darren Fox was is a better player. So because Darren Fox had to drop, or not had to, because Darren Fox dropped out, Pop got to keep his, uh, will, ha- will get a chance to keep his boy on the squad. But you never really think about it from the coach, from a coach's perspective. And then also a politics-like perspective. Maybe you have too many superstars and you want to add some role players to the team. But you can't necessarily cut this all-star over this role play. You see what I'm saying? Like, Bam Adebayo will not get a start over Blake Griffin. That just won't happen. And Bam could arguably be utilized better than Blake Griffin could. So, it's it's really a lot of... It's really interesting when you look at both the coaches and the players' perspective. Because you typically don't think about it. We, We just see, oh, gold medals, this game, that game, this player's joining, this, oh, like... It's going to be a lot, but there's a lot more. There are a lot more nuances that go into it that people don't really think about too often. Quarter three, top NBA duos. So I had to break this down by potential versus production versus health, right? And I came up with seven top duos. Um, you have KD and Ky- not in, not in any particular order right now. You have KD and Kyrie from the Nets. Kawhi and PG from the Clippers, AD and Braun from the Lakers, Steph and Clay from the Warriors, Joel and and Ben from the Sixers, Giannis and Middleton from the Bucks, Harden and Westbrook from the Rockets. So, based on potential, I had 
Joel and Ben Simmons as number one because <laughs> potential-wise, you have a 6'10 point guard who could shoot, potentially, just won't, reality. Uh, at least as we've seen. I think he'll actually shoot this year, but that's that's but he has the potential to shoot, though. And then you have Joel Embiid, who's a freak of nature. Like, the man is pretty much a mobile shack, but bigger and more finesse. Like, he can take you outside, take you inside, doesn't matter. Um, then two, I have AD and Braun, because AD, I think, could potentially be the best player in the league. And, I mean, you know, I'm not a big fan of the man, but, hell, he is a good player. So, in Braun. And... You can't really bet too much against him. I mean, now you can because he's young, he's older, but it is what it is. Kawhi and PG, um, that potential is just astounding. You have two elite defenders who can score. The last one of the last times we saw that was the Bulls. I'm not saying they're going to replicate the Bulls, but they are quite good. So be on the lookout for that. And then KD and Kyrie. Now, KD's the best player, but don't get me wrong, but Kyrie is kind of limiting, is kind of pulling him down slightly. He's not better than the players on his team. Um, and then, of course, we have Harden and Westbrook at five, uh, Giannis and Milton at six, and then Steph and Clay at seven. And this is for potential. Again, potential meaning what they could do, all right? Because in production, I actually have KD and Kyrie. I think that would be a little more productive. Again, you cannot bet against the the best NBA player in Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. I, I still think he could possibly be the best NBA player when he comes back. Um, then you have Kawhi and PG. That production, again, would be is going to be astounding. They, they're going to be solid. I'm sorry. This is I'm talking I'm talking about if they're healthy. I'm sorry. If they're healthy, you have KD and Kyrie because you can't bet you can't bet against the um, can't bet against KD and then Kawhi and PG. And then we have Joel and Ben. Because if healthy, again, Joel's tough to beat. And Simmons is tough as well. He just can't shoot. Uh, AD and Braun. Because if healthy, they're monsters. I can't hold you. Uh, Steph and Clay. Because Steph's three-point ability along with Clay's is, is ridiculous. Harden and Westbrook. Because, you know, they're both them. Um, they just, they just, like, honestly, they just go at it full throttle. And Harden's more finesse, Westbrook's more go at you, so it's just like two like two machine guns coming at you constantly, and it's it, that, that's that's how it is going to be throughout the entire game. Just constantly, you just got to keep dealing with those two machine guns, and which one do you want to deal with? Because they both can produce similar stats. That's tough. And Giannis and Middleton, uh, this is if healthy. I think Middleton actually brings them down. I like Middleton, but he's nothing special on this list. Um, he is the, I would say on this list of individual players, it, he's like the, he's the worst one followed by clay maybe, but, uh, but that's just cause they don't have anything physically imposing. And then of course for production wise, I got to go Steph and clay cause you can't go against the champions. Um, Harden and Westbrook cause they have shown throughout that they could that they can get it done statistically wise, uh, and that's been produced. And they played together as well. So Giannis and Milton because they've had they have cohesion. Um, Joel and Ben Simmons, again that cohesion. 
um, Kawhi and PG, because I don't think it's going to take that much, honestly. And I actually probably should put them higher. But I'm just going to keep them right there because it, it is their first year. Uh, KD and Kyrie, they'll have that cohesion, that friendship. And KD will be coming back, in, so he won't be playing as hard. Kyrie can still be full throttle. So that production, uh, that, that production right there is going to be solid. And then I think AD and Braun actually might be the, the least productive because usually Braun's teams come out the gate a little slow. So that's the reason why I do that. Quarter four, college alternatives. This one's going to be a little quick one, actually, because to keep it a whole buck with you, I think there should be college alternatives to where high school players should go. Um, you should have the ability to go to college. I think college was a, was a beautiful time. I loved my four years there. However, you should experience overseas if you can. Um, you should be able to go to the G League if possible, especially if the G League is bumping up their pay. You can get a lot more revenue out of the G League as well. You can extend the seasons that way. Like People might want to watch the season. Okay, well, as soon as the NBA Finals ends, boom, you got the G Leagues starting. And it's a mini season. Or you can play alongside the NBA and get more revenue that way. I think that'll that, that could be interesting to watch. So now we have, and then we can have NBA draft going on still. Like, you can do a lot of things, but because you're making college a, a priority, it kind of, in terms of everybody, whether it's the NCAA or the players, NBA, whatever, I think you're kind of limiting yourself. So I think we should do a little more investing into these overseas options. I get players may not want to go overseas because of the family issues, but you get to actually get money for your family. You can also ship your family over there to come visit you when need be. So that's also doable. Um, RJ Hampton is a good example of where he's going to the New Zealand Breakers. And he's like a top-tier player uh, in, in high school. Now, this is no new This is no new trend. We have LaMelo Ball did it. Jello, the second middle child, even though he's not really a good one, he did it. Brandon Jennings did it a while ago. I mean, this has been a thing, right, ladies and gentlemen? Um and Brandon Jones actually wasn't that bad, by the way. Let me let me state that too. In the NBA, he was highly touted in high school, uh, coming into uh, going to college, and when he came into the league, everyone thought he was gonna be the next big thing. Only reason why he didn't pan out was because honestly, I didn't think he bulked up enough, and then also he was in he had injury problems. So you you have that you have that thing that could go for you. I don't know if we should have high school players go directly into the league. Um, you have had successes such as Kobe, KG, um, hell, even Andrew Bynum to a degree. I mean, he he produced very well until injuries plagued him. But you have those possibilities. But I think we definitely need to have a, a, a pit stop prior to the league. Because I was actually talking with this uh, guy I know named Brandon. And we were talking about how we don't think that um, the NCAA should be kind of governing the kids and whatnot. And then how it's actually going to be interesting and possibly the next five years we may not be talking about the NCAA too much and that's because there are other alternatives to play outside of just college basketball I mean you can get a lot of national coverage from basketball from college basketball case in point Zion Williamson but who's to say you can't do that overseas or who's to say you can't you know I can't do that in the G League especially if it's marketed properly like if you can hoop you can hoop so Again, we need to be mindful of these all different alternatives and try to understand exactly how to put 
these kids coming out of high, high school in a better scenario to, to thrive. Because, again, that makes the game better. So it makes the customer better. So it starts off at the foundation. That's what we need to tackle first. All right. Well, today was a nice, beautiful, sunny day. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Tune in next time. And hope you guys have a wonderful day. All right. See you guys.